Hey, everybody. Today's episode is Siobhan Lindley from Ion Learning. And this is about the most that I'll say for the whole episode, but she is, she's a ball of energy and wisdom and learning and, and you guys will be amazed. What do you think, Maurice? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we went off in all kinds of directions, like um, lessons that she learned from hosting a podcast, stuff that she learned from founding a company and launching a new platform while being pregnant, or a thousand other things that we even didn't even touch on that she just mentioned and we just ran out of time asking about those two because we would have gone like three, four hours. But it's, uh, yeah, it's an amazing episode. Uh, it's definitely a woman and a company to follow and uh, see why right now. All right, you guys, let's get this started then, right? Because really, what could go wrong once you press record? Right? Exactly, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's all going to be very perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, the guy turning the back to us is there we go. my esteemed partner, Russ. Then we have the most fantastic Siobhan on, do I say that to French or is that right? Oh, I love it. Oh, nice. And myself, the ever so wonderful, blank. witty, <laughs> charming, Maurice. curious. Um, there you go. Shimon, I'm very happy to have you on the show, not just because you have a fantastic jacket on that almost, depending on how I put my camera, matches my sweater, mm. but I'm, I'm very happy to, to have you on. I'm very curious um, to learn from you, to learn about you, and um, so that's going to be an exciting episode, I'm pretty sure. So starting off, I'd um, like to go and ask you about your origin story. Right, that's a, that's a question that I like. So tell us a, bit, a little bit about you, um, what made you, right? Mm. Well, I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma um, to a Iranian Muslim immigrant father and a American Christian mother, uh, which allowed um, me to experience like a really unique family dynamic around how to love and honor and value two varying different views on religion seemingly and what really kind of bonds them together and ultimately as a family what our core values are and so that really shaped and really put into my DNA kind of inclusion and finding that for myself and then seeing how that integrates in with the world so I would say that's been a really profound hard and education like most (laughs) Middle Eastern or Asian or any other cultures, you know, you got to go to school, become a doctor or an engineer, you know, similar philosophy was like, just all you're going to do is just do good in school. And so that I think education has been ingrained. Um, And then for me, as I was just navigating into the corporate world, so I was a math major in college and you know, what do you do with a math degree? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, I'm good with people. I've got this kind of magnetic personality in a way and I really love numbers and so I got into the financial services space um, so that's where I kind of got started I'm pretty sure you skipped a couple of steps there <laughs> um, <laughs> whenever I talk to somebody with a math degree I'm just at awe like why how did you get there I'm I, I can't relate because I was somebody I was really good at math until I decided to somehow in school in, in Germany you have to take two focus classes and I made one of them math and then I was from top of the line to right at the bottom (laughs) where I just from one day to the other it was like they switched to Japanese for all I care right I didn't understand a thing Um, so I got the heck out of there as as soon as I could Um, so how did you end up in math uh, with a math degree and what got you there well I just loved math as a kid. It was what I was naturally best at. Started around seventh grade or so. I was just knocking out geometry homework in three seconds and getting top every other class I was not doing well in, but math for some reason was a breeze. I have no idea necessarily why, um, but being that, you know, you're supposed to be an engineer or whatever, that's just what I thought I was supposed to do. So I applied for engineering school and went to engineering camp in high school to just like explore the type of engineering. And so I got into 
college for a degree in electrical engineering. And then I got into my first year and absolutely hated it beyond anything except for the mathematics of doing circuitry. And um, so I was just talking with a career counselor about how much I did not like this this path. And they were like, why don't you just major in math then? I'm like, you can do that? Like, I just didn't even know you could do that. So um, that's how I got into it. It was just more doing what you're good at. And it was kind of a natural thing until, so I crushed math until junior, senior year when it switched from equations and and to number theory. And then I just failed. I didn't fail. I actually, that's where the street smarts came in. I, I still got, I got a 3.7 and did really well, but it was not because it was natural. It was because I hustled and like got everybody to help me and from, to figure out how to do it. But my brain did not naturally go into number theory at all. I bet that's where the personality took over, where you are able to bring together people and align with them and talk to them. Is that what took over at that point? I think personality has always been there. <laughs> I think that's, that's just the core of, uh, but I think it helped in yeah, knowing absolutely. how to get and not being afraid to go and ask for help when I needed help and getting people to sit with me in the library and show me how they got it done. And, and just, you know, late nights in the library, just like drill and math and you still get the, the grades and pray for extra help if you can get it. So let's jump forward to today. What does your day look like? What is it that you do to give the audience an idea of where you are right now and what it is? Um, we just heard at the beginning before the camera was on that you just came back from Las Vegas, that you had an exciting day to date as well. Um, so give us an idea of uh, what is it that you do today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ion Learning, and it's a, a peer learning platform where we take any course a company has and we turn it into this social and collaborative experience. Um, so that way, no matter wherever the teams are, they get to they get to complete training programs in small peer learning groups of three to four. So they're building their peer network, they're cross-training each other, they're holding each other accountable to course completion, and they're building like real friendships and connection um, while they're learning new skills. And it's just, it's it's doing tremendous amount of good for, for them wanting to stay at the company longer because now they have these support systems and because they're completing training for the first time and really actually doing it, they're benefiting from what they're learning. And it's transforming their career paths and their growth and, and their confidence to be able to do their job better and to understand how the business works. Mm -hmm. So it's just really cool to see how, you know, this idea that um, we had many, many years ago is now really having this impact. So I, as kind of the, the main spokesperson for this organization and am out there learning about what's coming down the pipeline, what do we need to be thinking about from uh, a product and and what's going on in the economy, how companies are looking at things. So I was at Transform, which is a, it's only been around a couple of years, this conference, but it's really HR technology, people who want to be on the cutting edge, bleeding edge, and what are they really going through and, and stuff like that. So it was really great to get the voice of the customer who are the new players? How are, how are things shifting? How should our product evolve to meet those needs? And then hopefully along the way, meet some potential clients too. That is so interesting because I just uh, the other day uh, read a Gartner report where they were talking about how do companies deal with the talents right now? Because right now you're at, the, at, the, at a point where a lot of companies let people go. At the same time, everybody's fighting for the top talents. So how do you how do you balance this out, right? And how do you make sure that you keep those guys that you want to keep uh, while there's a certain unrest in a company? And then, because my company is in uh, that I work for is in the HR environment too. Um, we work for uh, we offer benefits and perks here in in Germany, and uh, a lot of companies here are looking for yeah, how to retain their employees, right? And then and, and distinguish themselves to, to, uh, from other companies when it comes to acquiring new talents. 
So I think what you're offering is extremely interesting. And I quite honestly haven't heard of a platform yet that does it the way that you guys do it. Is there a lot of competition in the market from just that are companies that are competing right with you? Or are you a unicorn in terms of that you're unique in that market? Because I haven't heard of anything like that. Yeah, no one's built a platform based on small group learning theory and modernized it for you know, remote global teams. So we are the first to do that. Um, there are a lot of platforms that say that they have social learning or collaborative learning or cohort-based learning where you're not learning alone, you're going through things with groups. And those are great and fun, but I kind of compare it. So when they say they're a social learning platform, like you're more of like a social media learning platform. I can like your video, I can comment on your video, but we're not really friends. Like, I, you know, it's just like as close as I am to some of my Facebook connections. <laughs> what we're doing is putting, we have an algorithm that matches thousands of people and breaks a cohort of thousand into small groups of three to four. These three to four people, like let's say we were in a group together, we're now, that's the universe. We are going to self-facilitate and support each other as we complete a program over an extended period of time. Um, so from that perspective, it's done completely differently, but there are and have been innovations with, um, you know, trying to make it a little bit more social or doing live webinars on demand where you can have live facilitators and things like that. But something that, you know, our, our product, you know, when you look at a company, there's, there's a lot, training looks live training in a physical classroom, there's webinar training, there's micro e-learning. Um, and then there's, of course, like learning that you do in the flow of work, like in a Slack message or whatever. So there's, there's so much education that you can do and there isn't one right way. So what we've done is say, look, curate your content from all of these and consolidate it. Um, but what we're going to anchor it in is a proven science-based methodology of small group learning theory. And we're going to wrap it around anything you want to train. And we're going to anchor where after they learn a particular set of skills that they're going to have this really rich learning environment where they can learn from other people within your organization and different departments. So you can break down silos and all the other things that I've already done. So um, luckily there isn't anybody that's doing that yet. It's surprising to me. I thought two years ago, you know, people are kind of circling it in a way, but I were they haven't figured out the mechanics of how to do it. Um, and we've made some really bold, kind of crazy decisions in our product based on this methodology. You know, you cannot progress in the course to the next module unless your group does all the content and you meet, period. So like... <laughs> I can't slack, you can't slack, none of you can do that. You know, other people, if they've built a platform, they're trying to be so flexible for so many things. Like that's a that's a critical business decision that you have to make. And so it's it's um you can't just switch to that overnight because you have customers that already do it in all this other ways. So for us, it's it's I think that's helped us, you know, get ahead and stay ahead. That is um, that is very interesting, and I and I liked it because I remember years and years ago I once interviewed for for a CMO position, and they were one of the reasons they were interested because I'd built up an e-learning with my now former company and so on, and they wanted to be all about e-learning, right? That was a big buzzword. I had a couple of interviews just because I somewhere mentioned something about e-learning. And everybody like jumped on this part and like, yeah, let's do this. And then when I told yeah. them like how how difficult that is to first of all get the content done, right? And second of all, to have the engagement part, then they were all like, ah, maybe we just get somebody inside. So I'm <laughs> I I really like you. I really like your approach. So where do you get the get the content from? Um, for the classes? Is that self-generated by the students and by the companies? Or is that something where you have the specialist in, uh, in your company? Mm. So we, when we partner with a company, they've already got a lot of times content libraries that they 
pay for, that they love, that they have access to for many different reasons. Um, so we integrate with those systems. Mm-hmm. Companies create their own content. So their homegrown workshops and webinars, we integrate that content. And then we also have Ion Academy. So these are just a handful of really premium, highly sought after courses that tend to be gaps in organizations um, expertise. So things like inclusive leadership development, emotional intelligence, purpose-driven leadership, EQ for leaders, things that are like, these things are critical for all talent at all levels. And it's really hard for people to, there's not a lot of really great content and we've got really amazing kind of masterclass level content that they just get when they work with us. So most companies start off and they get off the bat with like one of our courses and then they quickly recognize the framework for learning that we've taught them is what they've been looking for that they didn't know existed. And so then they really quickly expand and add their own content in. And so that's when our product gets super sticky. And that's when we know that they've really bought in to the philosophy. And then we start to see that expand out. That is fantastic. Again, I'm, uh, but to go on, so I'm, I'm to kind of add on that. And obviously I've got some, ideas that we're working on right now from a content perspective, because we don't want to be a content house. Yes, I have a small team in-house. We create freaking amazing things. We just, because we love it. Um, But really what's the future of creating content that is a bar that is beyond what corporate e-learning looks like today. Luckily the bar is so low. It's really easy to like be above the bar, but like, let's really push the industry forward. Um, and I think, you know, generative AI is going to transform the content creation and um, side of this. So we're kind of exploring what that's going to look like with our platform to make content that does finally look yeah. like hit is that's going to make this whole thing really, really easy. Um, so I'm excited about how our product will kind of take advantage of that Um as we move forward, but we don't have that all figured out yet. <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. that's fine. Start with the idea. It's good. Yeah. You use one of our buzzwords and that's crazy. It sounds a little yeah. crazy what you guys are doing there. Yeah. Like, obviously. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind uh, of betting that, that as generative AI gets into uh, this kind of content creation space, that it's going to look a lot like the content does today, except with cool animations and interesting voices and, and music but it's still going to be high. This is Sherman from the accounting department. And to enter your expenses, you have to go to, and it's going to be the same boring, awful content, but just really cool looking. Right. Very exciting. So hopefully you can, you well, can that'll be better than there. what's out there. Right. Yeah. That'll be better. That'll help raise the bar at least a little, but we'll see how long I'm fascinated by that. And I'm really torn because you know, I'm, I'm at this conference, I'm seeing it with my own mm-hmm. eyes, how quickly you can, you can align, you know, a lot of HR practices using generative AI in this way, but companies are so slow to move and are, we're just trying to get them to like, get peer learning groups wrapped into the course, nevertheless, like all this other stuff. And so, you know, do you build a company for, 20 years from now when companies might be more ready and you just like raise enough cash so you can sustain until the world really evolves or you just work with the handful of super innovative companies or do you work with the ones that really need the most help and are probably going to get you a nice 25 year career because they're slow to move I don't know so who are your customers today are they more the the smallish companies or are you are you shooting for the very big ones i see you have walmart as one of your customers so yeah i mean i would say in the beginning when we were just getting started and like getting walmart walmart walked up to to me at a trade show booth at a training conference you know i didn't like prospect and hunt literally just came and it took two years to close and you know all that good stuff um so typically we're not shooting for the largest companies in the world to work with, but that we have found a really, our just right client has, you know, five to 10,000 plus employees and they're fast growing. So they are, they have to innovate because they're hiring people so quickly. Um, You know, Regeneron is a great example. You know, during the pandemic, they were, they were innovating to take some of their, 
um, from the, some of their research that they had done in one area and adapting it to COVID-19 to help create some remedies there. And it freaking worked. And they grew like crazy and promoted 3,000 managers remotely. And their original wow. their original manager training was a two and a half day in person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then they try to turn it into a webinar series and it doesn't work. And so, you know, those companies are forced to innovate because of the speed of growth. Um, and so those have been the types of companies that we have had the most success with that grow with us that have landed and expanded and use in many, many different verticals. So we support them in multiple ways. Um, and so we've seen that with like Envision Healthcare, they've got 60,000 employees or Argo that's recently been bought out and they're around 5,000, but um, we've got some interesting new use cases. Like we just rolled out in a credit union, but we did the whole company and, you know, they've got physical locations and then they have, you know, some remote. And so it's just fascinating to see our product evolve and meet the needs of like a 250. That's like our smallest client we've ever had to like 60,000 healthcare trying to train you know, frontline nurses and senior medical directors uh, to like neuroscientists over here. But it's, but at the end of the day, every company is trying to figure out how do I help our employees stay to go back to your original thing about retention, right? That's the biggest thing. I can work for any company. Yeah. I can go anywhere in the world. I can work remotely. I can do all of these things. What gets me to stay is that I'm being invested in by my company so I can continue to grow my career path. And I have people that I like at work that I'm friends with. Those are what gets people to stay at a company. And so fortunately our platform helps people facilitate and create these deep relationships with their peers. I can't promise you a best friend, but I can promise that you're gonna meet people that you can call and ask for help. And that may lead to a best friend at work. And there's just a ton of research on you know, the power of that too. Fantastic. So how did you build your own company? Well, wasn't planning on it. You know, it was as I was successful in the financial services space. I had, so I got my math degree. I got into financial services. I loved helping families figure out, you know, how much money they needed to save to be able to send their kid to college, plan for their retirement. And God forbid something happened and one of them were to die that like their family would be totally taken care of. It was a super fulfilling job. And I was a trusted partner and coach to them. And they, and I helped educate them around how to be successful and to like go through massive shifts in the economy. So um, I loved that. And I thought I was going to do that forever. And, and I, so I started kind of moving up and, and building an office and having advisors and opened up own firm. And, um, but there was, but I worked predominantly with men and I also was working 12 hour days and I was getting sick all the time. I had bronchitis. I was still like unhealthy from all these um, anxiety and ADHD and, um, asthma and, you know, a slew of other issues that were just like, yes, I might be successful on paper with the amount of money that I am making, but something is broken within my soul, you know, in a way. And at that time I started, uh, uh, it was very fortunate I, in me and who would eventually become my husband and another partner in the firm, um, had this opportunity to host a financial talk radio show program. And we were like, cool, let's do that. And so we figured out how to like host a five day a week, like fit, like on the real radio, like actual radio show. The market ended at one o'clock, you know, the markets closed at one o'clock in San Diego. We were on air from one to two. Um, and then we had this brilliant business building idea that we should turn one of the day's segments. So Wednesdays was called the CEO show and we brought executives on air and we told their story. And I kind of, for the most part, owned that because I ended up realizing that I really enjoyed interviewing people and extracting wisdom from them and what they, just as similar like you are, right? Mm -hmm. and helping them connect the dots. And But what I ended up realizing was that I was being coached personally every single week by these people around how they were able to grow in their career. And I ended up kind of discovering that they shared commonalities amongst them over 300 interviews in three years. And I was like, 
these aha enlightening moments that then I would go and apply it. And then I would see this massive change. And so I just was inspired at that point. Um, and then I had met my co-founder and, you know, in our current companies, we weren't high enough up in the company yet to get all this cool high level leadership development training programs. We were given e-learning content that we had to consume. And so we were super isolated and alone and, um, and didn't have anybody. We were both in very male dominated fields. And so it was just like, okay, this is what people need to learn. So that all talent, so we can unlock the potential of all talent at all levels. But if we just roll it out as e-learning, people are going to still be alone and they may not do it because there's no accountability and there's no support system. Yeah. So how can we rethink, you know, but there's not enough coaches and it's too expensive and there's not enough mentors that are look like us anyway, either. So there was just this model that seemed like it was just going to take a hundred years for us to get there. And how can we, how can we solve this in a really cost-effective, scalable way? And um, that's where the idea of like, well, what if, what about if I could just learn from the person to my left or my right, or just one level above me or below me? Like there's, we all have so much that we have within us mm -hmm. and to share that others can learn from, from our unique experiences. But what's missing is a psychologically safe environment where people feel comfortable to open up and tell their story. And so if I can do that, if we can create that container and guide it with education, so that way these people, it's not like, what are we going to talk about today? And, you know, so we guided them with content and then we gave them facilitation guides and discussion prompts and all of these things that alleviated all of the friction. Um, and then we also learned slowly, but it was like the very early stages of our algorithm that we developed to form these groups. Mm -hmm. What what were the criteria necessary for these peers to feel like they could open up? And so that was all of like the early days. And then to kind of connect this to Walmart. So we built the course and we put together these peer groups. So we were using four different technology systems. We were total service business, basically using an LMS and a content management and an email system and, you know, all these things to make it work. And then we get into Walmart and then Walmart does um, the first year. They said, let's just do a pilot and we won't go through security, but we just let's see if we like it. It was amazing. They were like, perfect year two. Now you have to go through procurement. It's our first time, you know, 50 page master services agreement. I mean, it was like $5,000. I'm like, these, I had like no money, but you know, I'm like, I'm not going to say no to Walmart. We just, we get through the whole security, you know, legal. Then they go through security review of our, of the platform of the LMS that we were using. And it was supposedly this, I mean, it was, I found it at a conference. They have a massive booth. They probably paid a hundred thousand dollars for this booth. You know, they do all these other things, but it failed Walmart security tests. And I'm five months pregnant with my second kid. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like we did not come this far <laughs> to fail on somebody else's mistakes, you know? Yeah. And, and I had like nothing left to, to give at that point. And uh, my co-founder was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do market research. And I'm going to go find another platform. And then she came back and she was like, the market sucks. Like everything is nothing. Something is wrong with everything. Yeah. We can totally do this better. And oh, by the way, I have a cousin that <laughs> is an engineer and we spent all weekend building the wireframes and here's the idea that I have. And I was like, are you out of your mind? Like you are nuts. And at first I told her, no, like just like, what are we doing? Just find another platform. But then as she, you know, persistent little one, she is, she's so, she's so great. And then, you know, within about a week, I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's, like, what do we have to lose? You know, we know everything that Walmart needs. We can build a complete platform on their specifics. So we launched the platform to Walmart and two other companies that I had already sold. And so they didn't care what LMS we were using. We all of a sudden had our own platform. So we just swapped it out two weeks after I gave birth to my second kid. Nice. And that's how we became a tech company in 2018. <laughs> so you know, it's nuts. The, what it like, when you, when I thought about this podcast and I'm like, what is the craziest things that 
it's the like perseverance through those where you're hitting a wall, you know, it shouldn't have to be that hard. And like, there's those, those are the moments. If you can, if you can seep into that uncomfortable moment and really try to figure out like, what is this trying to do? Is this trying to stop me? Or is it trying to get me to evolve and like push beyond what I think is possible? And when somebody as like an angel that she showed up in my life to show that this product could be a technology platform, like that's inspiration. That's like divine inspiration. And so you just, it's to believe that and to trust that and to continue going, even though we had already been at this, trying to prove this since 2015, you know, and had already promised that we were going to have made all the money already, you know, but now I got to go build a platform, you know, and oh, by the way, have a kid and try to be present in their life and, you know, have a relationship with your significant other and all the other things. You know, I think that's the craziest part. So how do you deal with those moments? I always call them the Sunday night moments where truth comes and finds you and <laughs> you have to deal with it. How do you how do you deal with it in that situation that you were in, right? Pregnant, five months, a big, big customer that has a lot of expectations set in you, but yeah. also you have a lot of expectations for yourself, right? Which might be much tougher than whatever anybody outside could do. So how do you deal with that at that quiet moment where you think like, holy crap, what did I do, right? How did we get there? Um, I Building your own business is like a mirror for every self-limiting belief you could possibly ever have. And it reflects back to you. And if you're paying attention and you're willing to see the greatest opportunities to grow and step up to the next level, And so it's being able to recognize those as this is, I am in the fire and I'm in the fire because I'm getting ready to transform into something to the next level. And so I think that every time I thought my life was over and I was like crying myself to sleep and didn't know why and how it would be so hard in hindsight, it was our biggest moments of growth. So now when I rub up against that, like today we are rubbed up against some friction right now with a new potential client that, you know, there's hard. And then there's just like, is it worth it? Is it truly worth it? And what's the sacrifice that we're going to make as a small business by saying no. And I've never done that before because we've just said yes and just go with it. Right. But yeah. now it's like, I think we're going to say no to a crazy, crazy, crazy company. Yeah. And I don't really know, but I know that this uncomfortableness is like what happens in me physically now because I'm so attuned to this. And I have a deep like meditation practice and breath work and a lot of things that I do. We can talk about that. That's a whole other crazy part of my life. <laughs> but like I physically know in, in my body when the, something is right or wrong. And it is um, something that guides me on a daily, daily basis that I know if, if I'm if I'm operating from my heart or not, you know? And I think that as long as you are doing that with your products, especially a product that's meant to be both very human centered and around relationships and building, building connection, like we have to live and breathe our values. So our values have been the anchor, you know, integrity back in the day with Walmart. I promised them that we were going to have a program that was going to help these underrepresented talent get the peer support they were going to need and the education to help them grow. I wasn't going to go back and say no to that because we had already promised that. I just had to go solve this other problem. And luckily my co-founder was able to do that. So I think like following through with your word has made us stay as long as we have in all of those early days, because like, I don't, I don't want to, too many companies depend on us. People depend on, on, on this and it's, it's helping them like, like their job more, you know, like enjoy what they're doing and pushing them. And it's like dissolving titles and they're humanizing this ex work experience. And um, it's very motivating. Where did you take the strength from to, to do that? Because again, the situation that you were in is tough. And I've seen it from the outside looking in for or being the partner for my wife, right? Being in an executive role, 
bearing a child and, and all of that going on. But how did you deal with that? How do you, where do you get the strength from to do so? I have been so fortunate to have, like my family believes in me, you know, like they have believed in me from the beginning. They may not get what I do. <laughs> like, I think they starting to understand it more and more, but they, I've never had them say, no, this is going to fail, you know, like they want to take care, you know, and they're like, oh, you can always go back to financial plan. I'm like, it's not happening. Like, I know you're, too, but they totally, truly believe in, and some of my first investors. Um, and so I think that that helps, like knowing that my, my husband is like, shoot for the moon and I've got your back. And, you know, like all of the, those and my like friend, like that, that part makes it where I can take risks. And a lot of people don't have that. And I don't think I recognized or understood that earlier on and how important that was for me being willing to sustain the amount of trauma and it's trauma with like a big T that it takes to like iterate over and over again and fail so many times to like finally get to a part now where people are like, oh yeah, this makes sense. I totally get it. You know, it's like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but, but I, I had faith. It was just from, from that. And then, you know, cultivating that with, and that, that was all helpful before I had it within myself. So now I have that within myself, but that took a really long time to get here, you know? Fantastic. Um, you mentioned your radio show. You mentioned the essentially what could be called the training sessions that you received from all the CEOs that you were mm -hmm. interviewing. So what are the top two lessons that you took away from those interviews or two that you remember right now at all? Oh, I remember because we built a whole course on it and we still sell it to the day. Click the button. No. Yeah, click, <laughs> click to buy uh, now. No, I, honestly, I think one of them, because we still, even in that original, original course that we created and future courses that we have built, there's, in the, it's at multiple places throughout it, but it's understanding what your core values are and doing an, an actual exercise. Like people are like, what are your core values? You know, and they're like, you know, they try to make up something it's like, have you done an actual exercise where you have determined it? and written it down and like thought through where did they come from? Where did that come from? And understanding your personal story and how it shaped who you are and how you're showing up today as a leader is fascinating, you know? Um, and it really helps understand your character and all of that. And so when you are feeling frustrated or angry or annoyed or bitter or whatever, it's typically because you're working outside of your core values. And so those are signs that say, okay, well, how can I shift and where? And so then, you know, in the program, um, so I learned this there, it was like, well, then you have to align your personal values to your company's values. And then once you align to your company's values, you align to your work projects that you're working on every day. Mm -hmm. And what percentage of your time are you working on things that are aligned to your values or are not? And of course, it's not going to be 100%. Like there's always going to be parts of your job. But if you're doing 70% of your time working on things that you do not fulfill you, you are totally going to feel frustrated and annoyed and bitter and all of those things. And so then it becomes cultivating the skill to learn how to recognize that. And then how do you make shifts and have conversations potentially with your manager about that and how you can maybe get a project on your, that is more fulfilling and, or does it maybe have to be outside of work maybe, you know? So I think that's, that's one that's like stood the test of time and should be done on an annual basis. And, um, is really, really helpful and keeps you like very clear on making decisions. Okay. Uh, so that would be one. That would be one. So what is it? <laughs> it's only one. <laughs> I'm not that but, easy. Going that easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's so many, but I would say the other one just to kind of take it to a whole other side. And I would say dealing with difficult people and managing the line when people say things that are potentially offensive and 
you need to speak up and you want to say something in a way that's not going to like make you sabotage your career, um, but it helps you understand each other better and helps establish a like a healthy line around what's appropriate or not appropriate. And particularly as a woman and and it just like happens all day long, every day in like different types of snow, less now than in the past, but like, you know, knowing how to speak up in those moments is a skill that takes a lot of time to cultivate, but it is totally possible. And it's not as hard as we think it is because if we give like learning a framework around how to have those types of conversations. So um, we don't need to like dig into all of that. Like I actually ended up, I ended up doing an entire TEDx talk on it. So you can like teach it to you in 12 minutes if you want to go see it. But like that skill is um, because then it, it, it you now I, ref, you know, people know how to, what your correct boundaries are and you can communicate effectively. And, and then you realize that so many people have no idea the impact that they're making with their words. And when you, when you approach it in a way where you're not like trying to call them out for being something that like you come in super open and just trying to share how, what they did impacted you and that you don't think it was their intention to do that. And like giving them an opportunity to share their perspective, you learn so much about people and it really bonds you at that time. And it's really fascinating how these moments of real conflict and real like things that can trigger fight, flight or freeze in people on a regular basis can be really profound experiences that bond you with that person in like a crazy way if you're like willing to go through the fire. Yeah, I think that it, that is very interesting because for one, you always have the the response. The first response that you get a lot of times is, yeah, I didn't mean it like that. You know how I meant it, right? That that kind of thing. And then on the other side, I think it's um, especially what we've been seeing in the past three, five years or so is the whenever somebody said something that really didn't mean it in any bad way, shape or form, that they now see themselves canceled, right? Mm. Um, and they immediately get pushed into a drawer where they're like, no, into a shaft in a box where they're like, no, that's that's not who I am. And where you almost have to help them not to really find a home in that box, right? To show mm. them, hey, listen, you cannot say that, right? You, you're hurting people because the context of the word, the words that you mean usually happen in a context like such and such. And not everybody gonna react the way I <clears throat> I react, right? Mm -hmm. so I, I think that's really, really interesting and should be one of your courses, which it probably is already. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a, it's, again, I, I picked the two lessons that have, have stood the test of time and actually have been infused in a few because they're that powerful of lessons and they transcend. Yeah. Um, because they're just super, super powerful skills that will, can like anchor you know, your purpose, stay aligned, like, don't like use these moments of conflict to like help understand each other better. And, but to create healthy boundaries and mm -hmm. communication, it's really, how do you say, stay self-centered like that? Uh, where do you get the, where you manage the energy? Cause the, you have anxiety of the, on the one side, you have super excitement on the other side, and that's just a push and pull that happens constantly. How do you center yourself and you say like, okay, I don't get too up, I don't get too low. How do you, how do you manage that? Um, it has been a long journey, like the health and kind of spiritual and personal side has been one of the most extraordinary parts about this whole process. And, you know, I, diagnosed ADHD in high school and got on, you know, was taking Ritalin and then got anxiety and was on Lexapro and had acid reflux and was taking this medication and had every side effect known to man. And which kind of led to like eating disorders. And, and I also had scoliosis and asthma and like all these other things I mentioned earlier. And, and, um, but I hitting those walls along the way and not being afraid to like tell people when I wasn't feeling well. So when I, I walked in one day, so this is when I was in financial planning and we had a physical office and I walked into the elevator and I had like bronchitis for the fourth like month in a row. And I was on my like fourth episode of, of 
uh, antibiotics, which I just like call the doctor. I'm like, just throw in a Z-Pack. Like, I'm sick again. I know it's hit it. I didn't even go in anymore. I just was like, send me the meds. And I walk in and this guy that worked across the hall said something like, how you doing? And normally I would just be like, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, but this time I'm like, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm sick again. And then he just made this like flippant comment, like, oh, I used to get sick all the time. And then I started going to the chiropractor. And then I'm like, what's the chiropractor has anything to do with like health and wellness? You know, I get like, obviously I had been going to the chiropractor with scoliosis. I like, I literally wore a brace and went to school with the brace on my body for a year. That's awful. But so like, I know chiropractors, but like in that way of, from a wellness perspective, he's like, yeah, I go to this one. So I went, I didn't get um, bronchitis again, Yeah. you know, just by getting adjusted. So, you know, I think that finding and recognizing like how we take care of ourselves, that was like layer one. And then I wanted to have babies and I had acid reflux and, and you're not supposed to take the medicine if you are pregnant and, and, and acids. And I'm like, I'm going to die. I literally can't eat anything, you know? And so I just talked about that to other people and went to all these different doctors and kind of like all sorts of things. And then I just was at dinner and said something about how this meal is really going to hurt later. And someone said, why? And they were like, oh, I went gluten-free and it solved my problems. And I'm like, gluten-free, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that word means. This was like 12 years ago. Um, but I went gluten-free, solved my problems. Yeah. And then I went organic and then I, my ADHD went away. My anxiety went away. And then I started um, long, crazy story but I ended up having a, a meeting with the CEO of Transcendental Meditation for like a financial services thing. And I was in a meeting with Bob Ross, the CEO, with my partner. And uh, he, we were talking about this big strategic partnership thing. And, and he was like, this is, sounds great. Do you meditate? <laughs> He's <laughs> like, straight up. And I was like, mm, no. And he was like, I don't do business with people that don't meditate. <laughs> he just was like straight up, like this is just the bar that we do. And, um, but he was so gracious and he said, I want to give you a coach and I'd love for you to get trained if you're open to it in transcendental meditation. And so then um, four days, like thousands of dollars that he gifted us in like this great benevolence, you know, jest of, I would love for you to have this skill. And it was just the, it completely transformed um, my husband and I's relationship, which was like not at the best at that particular moment. It got us communicating. We were like therapy with meditation and just, oh my God, all of the stress and anxiety. And then like having cleared out, you know, the, the wellness side and the like mental and kind of spiritual side. It was like all of those paths were clear. Um, over time, I've stopped drinking now too. So there's just like, so when you ask this question around like, how do I find peace? I find peace because like, I'm very diligent every single day. You know, if I wanted to, to take care of all of these sides of, of me on a regular basis. So yesterday when I am at this conference all day in Vegas, right? I'm coming. This is where you're like, this chick really is crazy. Like I come back to my hotel room and I center into like a meditative thought. And I say out loud, like, I want to call back all of the energy that I've, that I've left out into my physical, into my emotional, into my spiritual. And I, I like literally call that energy back to myself. And you can feel like the cleansing of, of all of this, like, you know, debris, <laughs> you know, like just energetic debris that we collect by just isn't the amplify at times a million being in Las Vegas, just walking down the floor for five minutes, you know, nevertheless, like pitching your business 85 times in four hours. So um, those are the things that I do to just like constantly make sure that I'm checking in with myself. And so before I transition today to being a parent, I will meditate for 20 minutes before I go home. And that will allow me the space to like consolidate 
what happened throughout today. And it'll allow me to transition so that when I get back, I'm not like, oh my God, I forgot to do 85 things, you know, like that whole, there's a big, that transition is really hard. So I want to be really present for them when I have that time mm -hmm. and then try to separate it as much as possible. Hey, listen, I, I think we could go all the way to 90 minutes, but we probably <laughs> shouldn't. I'd rather have you come back and, uh, and we can give it a, a, a second part. But there's one more question I would like to ask before poor Russ had no chance to ask any questions whatsoever. It's all right. It's all good. <laughs> uh, one more question I, I would like you um, to answer, and that is, if you would meet your, let's say, 16-year-old self, what would you tell her? With everything that you know today, what would the message be that you give her? Like, it, look, Chevron, there's one thing that you need to know, and that is what? Um, that the power lies within her, that you don't have to walk in other people's shoes. You don't have to depend on others to save you, um, that all of the abilities that you need are within, within yourself. And that it will open up in kind of the right timing, really clear, easy, and fast. As long as you are, if it is meant for you, it will happen. And if it is not, it is trying to tell you that it's not the right thing or something needs to change. And so just trust in yourself as early as possible would have been really helpful. I think that is a fantastic ending um, for to everything that you just taught us in many ways, right? Um, I'm very curious to see where you are progressing, what your company will be doing. I'm definitely gonna look at your company from a professional perspective. Like if that is something that we could use here in Germany um, and make it part of our benefits program, for example. And um, yeah, let's be in touch and follow up in a little bit of time to see how that crazy moment, if you said no to that customer, right? That is something I'm, I'm working on right now for our company too, uh, to yeah. maybe cancel a couple of customers, right? Something that we learned in another episode. Um, and um, yeah, so- Yeah, and all, all of this, I've, I've got at least another hour of questions. Just, uh, just let's come out of this hour of, of you didn't discussion. Get, you so. didn't get to answer, uh, to ask what? No, that's, that's okay. I got a, I got a, I got a ton now that that have just come up in addition to the ones I wanted to ask. So <laughs> you have to, you have to come back, Siobhan. Thank you so much. It has been yeah. an amazing pleasure having you on. Thank you. Looking forward Thanks. to the next episode already, and um, take great care of you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Siobhan.